as a child, I loved stories, books, and shows about treasure hunts. Stories of, of lost treasure at sea that had sunk, uh, stories with maps with a winding pathway of dotted lines to an X in the sand that marked the spot. Uh, it was fascinating to me thinking of earthly treasures, gold, silver, jewels, lost for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. I remember first time learning about King Tut's tomb and the treasure vault that was found thousands of years later after he was buried. I could literally, as a teenager, sit and watch these documentaries on this. It's just fascinating to me. I had an, just an understanding of earthly value. We live in a culture that, that teaches implicitly earthly value, earthly treasures. We see it in our parents' lives. We see it in the world that we live in, the culture, what it values oftentimes, the things that shine, the things that you can spend, the things of, of glitz. We, we understand earthly treasures. And what's interesting is when you look at the Bible, how the Bible uses that illustration of what's precious in this life to help us understand what's precious in the next, what's, what's precious spiritually. And the Proverbs does this very well. It draws this comparison between earthly treasure, gold, silver, precious jewels, and uses our understanding, our ability to relate with those earthly treasures to say, hey, there's something far more valuable, something far more precious that you need to seek after. And it's to that reality, to that precious gift that I want to draw our attention to in the Proverbs this morning. So let's open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, you can find that on page 528 in the Bibles we've provided on your chairs. Proverbs 3, 528. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. There are Bibles on the shelf in the, the lobby. P please feel free to take one of those. If you have a friend who needs a Bible, by all means, grab one of those. Now, this is the second week in a brief two-week series in the Proverbs. So last Sunday, I preached Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 12. This Sunday, I'm going to preach Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 35, specifically examining the value of wisdom, the preciousness of wisdom. Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 35. Solomon, the likely author of this proverb, writes this. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of it. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, 
and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again, tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways, for the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, and he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. The way of wisdom. That's our title of this two-week series, The Way of Wisdom. Three movements in this sermon. The value of wisdom, the security of wisdom, and the character of wisdom. That's just a brief outline of our time together. The value of wisdom, the security of wisdom, and the character of wisdom. So first, Solomon's careful to unpack for us the value of wisdom. He writes in verses 13, 14, and 15, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. It is stunning what Solomon is doing. He's drawing this comparison, and he's grabbing hold of everything in this life that we would attach value to, that we would assign value to. Every high-tier item of immeasurable value in our minds, he's taking them and saying, hey, all these things, wisdom is better. Wisdom far surpasses them all. And Solomon would know. The richest man in biblical history. Just read 1 Kings, the account of Solomon's wealth. What was brought into his kingdom under his watch is staggering. And after accumulating all those goods, you know what Solomon can say? Wisdom far surpasses them all. So as a wise father imparting truth, and wisdom to his children. That's what he's saying us. Wisdom far surpasses them all. And he's using these rich comparisons, trying to tap into our understanding of earthly treasures and saying wisdom is better. Wisdom is better. Notice what he said. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. What does that tell us? Friends, that tells us wisdom can be sought after. It can be obtained in this life. You can seek it and find it. Blessed is the one who does. And we'll talk in a moment about what that looks like. James, the wisdom writer of the New Testament. James is the comparable book in the New Testament to Proverbs in the Old. 
pithy wisdom sayings all throughout James. Here's what James says about seeking wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. What a wonderful promise that accords with Proverbs chapter 3. Blessed is the one who seeks after. It can be found. It can be asked for. And there's an invitation in both the Old and New Testaments to ask for it. If any of you lacks wisdom, seek the Lord. What Solomon draws our attention to next is why wisdom is so valuable. Verses 16 and following. Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Solomon is piling up blessing images, blessing phrases, one after another, to help us understand the storehouse that is in wisdom. Longevity of life, treasure, riches, honor, pleasure, joy, peace, the fountain of life. And yes, these are physical images, but friends, don't hover in the physical. They're meant to lift our eyes to the spiritual. This is the sum total of blessing. And where is the ultimate blessing in life found? Not in earthly treasures, but in a walk with God, in a relationship with God. Those who hold her are called blessed. Everything good, everything meaningful, everything satisfying that you know in this life, wisdom encapsulates them all. And it's pointing us to the greatest blessing, and that is life with God, relationship with God. For this is where wisdom is rooted. This is the source of wisdom. It comes from God. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without finding fault. We're invited to ask God who holds it. He, he holds it. It comes from him. He doles it out as his people ask and seek. Wisdom is from God. So those who are walking the path of wisdom, they are walking the pathway with God. This is where we seek and find wisdom. Life with God. Notice what Solomon says in verses 19 and 20. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. Wisdom serves as God's agent or instrument in creation. By wisdom, God created. It's his tool, his instrumentation, by means of it was created. That's what... That's what Solomon's telling us here. Now, when we look to the New Testament, who is the agent of creation? By whom are all things created? Through whom are all things created? John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, he, that is Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. He's the agent of creation, the instrument, the, by means of. Without him, not anything made 
that has been made. Jesus is the Father's agent of creation. Likewise, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, for by him, that is Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth. Jesus is the Father's agent of creation. Why am I belaboring this point? Taken together, Proverbs, and then the witness of the New Testament, Jesus is wisdom personified. To find wisdom, we must look to Jesus. We must trust in Jesus. We must walk with him. If wisdom is to be sought and obtained in this life, how do we go about it? We have to seek Christ as our ultimate treasure. That's how we read the Old Testament rightly, is seeing Christ as the ultimate fulfillment of it. You just hold these passages together. Christ is the agent of creation. It was Christ, the wise one, who was with God in the beginning, with God the Father in the beginning, bringing all things into existence. Seek Christ, and there you find wisdom. Jesus himself uses these two rich parables for us to understand what it means to seek him and the wisdom found in him. Matthew 13, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy the field. He has found the treasure of greatest price, hasn't he? And then the next parable Jesus uses. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he has, and he bought it. Jesus is the king of that kingdom who invites us to become his subjects by faith. And when you find that king and his kingdom, you find the pearl of greatest price, the treasure of immeasurable value. That's what it is to seek wisdom is to seek Christ, to treasure him above all things. That's why he says, come and follow me. Take up your cross, lay down your preferences, lay down your idols, and follow me. Everything else pales in comparison to Jesus. He is the pearl of greatest price. Seek him. That is the wise way. That is the wise path. The value of wisdom Number two, the security of wisdom. Solomon writes in verse 21, My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Keep, guard, hold tightly to wisdom. Why? Because wisdom sought and found brings true security, which when we're honest, that's what we're after in this life. Security a firm footing to stand upon. Verse 23, then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. Again, it's a, it's a physical image, but it's not meant to just hover at the physical. We need to think of the, the spiritual here. Your foot will not stumble. That doesn't mean you're gonna be prevented from physical harm in this life. It means as you hold fast to the wisdom found in Christ, you will walk uprightly. You will not fall away from Christ. You will not fall into sin repeatedly over and over. As you look to Christ, as you seek Christ and his wisdom, you walk the morally upright path. Friends, you and I can't live well 
in this life, you can't pursue holiness on our own. It's only by an abiding relationship, a faith relationship with Jesus Christ that we can walk the morally upright way. Then you will walk on your way securely. Your foot will not stumble. It's promising security and safety along the spiritual path. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Security in Christ, protection in Christ. Do you know what it is to be awake at two or three in the morning? I'm just thinking about this in my own life. There are seasons when, without an alarm, unprompted, I'm up at 3 a.m. and I can't fall back asleep because I'm anxious about what I have going on in my life, in ministry, in my own family, in my own finances. Whatever the thing that I worry about, it's likely what you worry about, a variation on a similar theme. And my mind is racing, tracking on, and, and I'm, I'm losing sleep. My sleep is not sweet in those moments. And I have memorized this proverb. Say, Lord, hold on to me. You know I need sleep. I'm lying down here and I'm sleepless. I believe that wisdom is found in you, relationship with you. Hold me fast. Hold on to me. Give me sleep tonight. When I lay my head down, give me sleep. I belong to you. I belong to you. What am I doing? I'm just, I'm just preaching the truth of this proverb. I belong to you. You are mine. I am yours. Let my sleep be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. Friends, if you walk in wisdom, you will not fear death. You need not fear death. Psalm 118, verse 16. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's a wisdom saying. You understand in the analysis of life who's on your side and how he's much greater than the foe that you face. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The, the protection, the security we see in Proverbs comes from a, an understanding of whose side you're on, who your allegiance is with. Let me ask you, what causes fear and anxiety in your life? What is it that keeps you up at night? What is it that sends your stomach in knots? What causes fear and anxiety in your life? If you're like me, it's the fear of losing what you treasure. You know what keeps me up at night? The fear of losing a child. <laughs> the fear of our church falling apart, deep division in the congregation divides. Fear of losing a, 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 a reputation fear of losing a financial nest egg. All these things that we fear and have anxiety, it's because there's such weighted treasure in them, a, a, a placed security in them. And what Proverbs is doing is helping us recalculate and reorient. If I am seeking Christ, following him, it reorders 
what matters most. And Christ can never be stripped from me. If you're in Christ by faith, he can never be stripped away from you. John chapter 10. My sheep know my voice, and I know them. No one can snatch them out of my hands. So actually, the, the fear and the anxiety that we have often stems from a misplaced security. Seek security in Christ. He is your treasure that can never be taken away. It reorients the way that you look at your life, the way that you analyze things. There's a security that is found in standing upon him as a firm foundation. Wisdom is rooted in the realization that you have something far greater, far more valuable in Christ that can never be taken away from you. The value of wisdom, the security of wisdom. Number three, and finally, the character of wisdom. What character attributes does wisdom foster in our lives? And Solomon's going to unpack a few of these for us. Verses 27 and 28. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow, I will give it, when you have it with you right now. What character attribute do we see being fostered here by wisdom? Generosity, open-handedness, neighborliness. And what's it rooted in? Again, it's, it's, an, it's a, the right orientation of your treasures. If someone comes to me and asks for something physical, they need money, they need a meal, I know, first of all, that, that God has entrusted good gifts to me. And because he is a giver, I as his follower need to be a giver and open-handed. Because he is my treasure, the one that I love most, I can love my things less and, and, and give them away. That, that's, what, that's how he's saying here. If your treasure is oriented rightly, you will be open-handed because you're not going to be grabbing it with white knuckles because it's your all in all. That, that's what he's saying. If a neighbor comes to you, you can be open-handed because you know where your treasure is. We give because God has given lavishly to us in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Christ has become to us the wisdom of God. God has given Christ to us as a precious gift. By faith we receive it. We have treasure. We have true wisdom in him. So what character attributes does wisdom foster in our lives? Generosity. Also, peacefulness. That's where we're headed next. Verses 29, 30, 31. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence. and Do not choose any of his ways. Over and over and over, this is a calling toward peacefulness, not to be a contentious person. Peacefulness peacefulness. It's interesting, these, these character attributes of wisdom are really just fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We just see a sampling of them here in Proverbs 3, but it would make sense. If the way of wisdom is the way of Christ, and following Christ produces the fruits of the Spirit, you ought to be seeing. These are the character attributes that ought to be flowing. Peacefulness, gentleness, kindness, generosity. These are, just, these are just fruits of the Spirit that come when you trust in Christ. 
peacefulness. Let me press on you a little bit. Does peacefulness mark your relationships? Or are you a prickly person? If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to be peaceable, peaceful, not contentious. Do people enjoy being around you or are they afraid to get pricked by one of your prickles, spines? These three verses are an invitation. Be soft-hearted, gentle, and, and tender. Does peacefulness mark your interactions with people, your relationships in this church, your relationships at home with neighbors? The fruits, the attributes that come from the way of wisdom, gentleness, peacefulness, generosity. Solomon concludes Proverbs 3 with a dichotomy. Two ways to live. The way of wisdom versus the way of folly. Here's how he concludes. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. Two ways to live boils down to this, the way of wisdom versus the way of folly. Which way will you choose? I mentioned last week in the introduction to this series, you have to read Proverbs with your finger in Deuteronomy earlier in the Bible. Proverbs is based on Deuteronomy. So if you read the end of Deuteronomy, you see these large sections of blessings for obedience and curses for rebellion. Blessings for obedience, curses for rebellion. Two ways to live. There's a dichotomy there. And the Lord is inviting his people to follow the way of wisdom, the way of life. Now, I also mentioned last week there is an inherent tension as we read Deuteronomy and the Proverbs because we know that we fall short. No matter how hard we try, we fall into the way of folly at times. And this is where the gospel is such good news because Jesus Christ came inhabited our existence and bore the curse of the covenant, curse of death for our disobedience. He took it all on his shoulders, bore the curse, and then invites people to trust in him, to find their all in him, to find their treasure in him. And he empowers us along the way of wisdom and life and blessing. Two ways to live. Follow the way of Christ. Give your life to him and let him empower your footsteps thereafter along the way of wisdom, the way of blessing. There is a glorious promise here. Those who seek wisdom, find wisdom. Those who ask for wisdom, receive wisdom. God does not withhold his wisdom from anyone who asks it. And if wisdom is found in Christ, the the same is true. Those who seek a relationship with Christ will receive it. Jesus says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. If you're here today and you, you, you don't entirely know where you stand with Jesus, but something is prodding you, prompting you to explore him. Oh, that is good news. That is the spirit working in your life, drawing you to him.
Take the next step. He will never turn away someone who's seeking him. Take the next step. Put your faith in him. He does not withhold himself from any who seek him. Jesus Christ is the greatest treasure we can seek and find in this life. I grew up as a young boy in church, sometimes paying attention, sometimes not paying attention. But I remember this hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full in His Wonderful Face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. The things of this world, the glitz, the bling, they'll suddenly grow strangely dim in the light of his beautiful face. May we treasure Christ, seek him and his wisdom. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. Help us to be people that wisely calculate and analyze our lives, not giving ourselves to lesser things that might, might have a lot of shine in this life, but in the end, chasing after the wind. Help us, O oh God, to treasure you first. And as we do that, open up our hands to be generous to others, to be peaceable people, kind, loving. Lord, we want to seek you on the wise way and invite others to do the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.